Welcome back to Careless Whispod, the podcast where you, the listener, could win a steam train if you just lay down your tracks. Uh, I am, as always, Jeremy, and with me, as always, is... Uh, I'm Gary. Uh, welcome back. Welcome back. To Careless Whispod. I'd say your dreams were your ticket out, but I've used that joke already <laughs> uh, on a previous episode, so... that I can't believe we haven't thought of that. As uh, maybe we could do a series on TV things. We, you said the exact same thing when I did that joke last time. As Shit! Well. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was at the beginning of the Billy Joel uh, episode. Oh man, my dreams were my ticket out. <laughs> um, but enough of this uh, sparkling repartee. Oh, we are this week speaking about one of my favourite songs mm. of all time. I'm super excited. Yes, we are speaking about Peter Gabriel's classic. Sledgehammer, and Sledgehammer. I am excited. Gary, are you excited? I am excited. I, I bet the listeners are excited to hear two white, nearing middle-aged guys talking about Peter Gabriel's penis for about half an hour. <laughs> it's going to be great. Yeah, I wonder why you took your pants off straight away. <laughs> um, but look... Uh, you, t- you told me that was the rules of coming in here. Yeah, well, it's, it's, that's why I've smeared it on the wall in my own feces. <laughs> <laughs> What? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Off to uh, a great start. Off to a great start. Peter Gabriel will, would approve of that. I'm just, well, he's arty. He's an arty yeah. type. He gets the expression to Yeah, he's one of those. One of those. Uh, <laughs> an artist, I mean. An artist. He puts the F into art. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, we haven't done this in a while. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> shaking off the cobwebs. Shaking off the cobwebs. Peter Gabriel's Sledgehammer. Um, well, let's launch into it. Off the 1986 album So, which so. is a fantastic record if you are not familiar with it, mm. um, which spawned a lot of other hits, right? Yeah. What uh, else is on there? I think Big Time was a, yeah. was a bit of that. Uh, Don't Give Up. Don't his, Give Up with... His uh, duet with uh, Kate Bush. With Kate Bush. Um, which we might cover in our I think that's duets, on the list uh, as well. Series, yeah, the yeah. duets uh, series. Um so, look, for those that may may or may not know, Peter Gabriel, former member of Genesis, mm. um, and after his departure, was replaced by the mighty Phil Collins. Phil, Philbo. Phil Baggins. <laughs> Philbo Baggins, <laughs> um, whom I hope to uh, cover on this uh, podcast more extensively down the line. Uh, but I just think seeing, that's definitely going to happen. It's going to happen. But we've got the connections. You see the connections totally. between... The pop world. Um, famously, uh, so a bit more on Peter Gabriel. Look, I just want to cover it really quickly. He started Real World Records, um, which is sort of super prolific in the sort of world music scene. He also started the Womad Festival, mm. uh, which continues to this day. And they have the, what is it, Womadelaide, the offshoot. Womadelaide, that's here right. In yeah. Australia. Salisbury Hill, actually, another one of uh, my favourite Peter Gabriel songs, yes. is actually about his departure from Genesis. From Genesis. I um, mean, it was a pretty big deal, that band, at the time when he was in there, even before Phil Collins. And, yeah. Uh, there were so many factors kind of pushing him out of there. There was creative differences in, in the band. Mm. Uh, he was getting a lot of the attention from the media and from the yeah, because he was uh, like dressing that. quite elaborately. He was yeah, the the proggy wild child of the <laughs> of the band. Two two words you never thought you'd hear together, right? <laughs> Prog wild child. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, the the album that he departed uh, the band the lamb lay down on Broadway, lays right? down on Broadway, which was actually a big influence on the band Mastodon when they. 
they released the album uh, Crack the Sky. Long podcast, mate. For, for, the, for those that are joining Crossing us, over, the, yeah, yeah. Oh, shit. I'm, I'm getting so excited. I'm breaking the computer here. Sorry, but speaking of uh, Phil Collins a little bit more. Well, yes. I mean, it was interesting. So after Peter Gabriel left, mm. they sort of weren't really sure if Genesis would sort of be able to continue after the sure. land lies down on Broadway. Well, uh, but they I, sort of changed direction and sort of became more popular than ever right um, yeah, so it sort of worked definitely. out well for everyone you know so, what i mean with stuff like i can't dance and invisible touch what a tune all that kind of stuff bangers gary bangers bangers yeah stone cold bangers no mash just bangers well interestingly enough just on that mm. so in this song we'll talk about it a bit more they used uh peter gabriel used the legendary memphis horns memphis right? horns um on this song and that apparently led to criticism that he was trying to copy, copy Phil, Phil Collins, Collins, who used horns on Susudio uh, and Easy, Easy Lover, Lover, all that kind of um, stuff. Gabriel said that this was never his intent and that it was more of an influence on Collins. <laughs> <laughs> I um, love that kind of little bit of friction, that little bit of tension yeah. between the, the two. It's great. Uh, but yeah, the horns section... Horny! <laughs> uh, rather than... Uh, trying to copy Phil Collins, uh, Peter Gabriel claims that he was using the horns to kind of get like a 60s soul sound, kind of like the the bands that were on Stack Records, which is we'll kind of touch on later. Yeah, touch on later. And that, that, that was sort of a big influence behind this song. Um, but uh, before It was that and uh, and seeing Otis Redding play yeah, live right. in 1967. Yeah, yeah. Fuck, imagine that. that. You can see Otis I mean, Redding play live. Damn. Um but look, needless to say, before we go there, we'll just talk about charts real quick. Charts. Needless to say, it did quite well. Hey, um, do, do we need a do we need a name for the charts uh, segment? Seeing um, as it's in pretty much every episode. Yeah. Which, um, let's chart a course. Sure. Into this podcast. There's, there's already a podcast called Who Charted. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> we can't Damn, use that one. evil geniuses. <laughs> Who charted? Uh, Chartreuse. Chart, chart. chart me up. Chart, chart me up. Chart me off. Chart me up. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's our other private podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Chart me up. Once chart you chart me up, me up you never stop. Let's call it chart me up. There we go. Welcome to the inaugural uh, chart me up. Well, um, yeah, the, the first time the it's first been called that. To call that. Um, it was number one. Is number one. Thank you for listening. That was that chart, was chart me, up. me up. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta get a theme song for that too. Yeah. Uh, yes. So Sledgehammer itself uh, was number one in Canada for four weeks. It was number one in the US, right? It was number one in various US charts, including the Billboard 100. I just got a number four in the UK. Uh, four in the UK and three down three under in Australia. <laughs> Not too sure. I wonder. I should have looked up who beat him out. Uh, you're a three down under. Aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've been talking to my ex-wife. I no. <laughs> just couldn't resist that. Uh, I had something else on it. Uh, it was his only number one song on the Billboard 100 charts. Uh, Genesis had their first number one with "Invisible Touch" uh, shortly before oh, that's right. Peter Gabriel did. Uh, in but did he knock them off? I believe he did knock Genesis off the charts. I don't have the info. Yeah, I'm down. sure I read it. I forgot to write it down. Uh, not to worry. Um, and that was chart me up. Chart me up. Um, because you know, if you chart me up, 
Never stop. Never stop. Um, you make a grown man cry. Uh, <laughs> let's get into it. Let's get into the song. Brown sugar. Um, <laughs> it's <got a> <laughs> uh, so yeah, inspired by sort of sixty soul yeah. stuff. So, um, so inspired by it, the the Stax record sound um, that he had uh, Wayne Jackson. Yeah, so of the of the Memphis Horns. Now the Memphis Horns appeared on pretty much every recording for Stax that included a horn section. Yeah, they, they were basically the house band yeah, for Stax. Yeah, they, they, they were the horny horns, <laughs> the, the, ha, the horny house horns um, of Stax records. So, I mean, if you go and look at the number of Stax records with horns on them, that's a hell of a lot of records. I, I've tried looking for this info. It was, uh, it's sort of hard to find, yeah. But do you think that he played on Elvis at Stax? Wow, okay. That we both really like. I don't know. That's a really good question. I mean, I fucking... Man, I'm sure there would be some like... You know, there's some real soul heads. They love that stuff. I'm Mm. sure that someone out there would know it. They wouldn't listen to this podcast, obviously. Obviously not. uh, If anyone knows the answer to that question, feel free to write in and let us know. Yeah, send us a link. Um, But aside from the mighty Memphis Horns, they had some pretty crazy... Crazy players on this. Um, Manu Cache on drums mm-hmm. um, played with Eurythmics. Oh, uh, right. Tears for Fears. Yeah, Sting. Yes. Simple Minds. Mm-hmm. Uh, Die Straits. Tori Amos and Ryuchi Sakamoto, who I really want to mention <laughs> of Yellow Magic Orchestra, who oh, I've been yes. who I've been listening to a lot of I recently. Love Yellow Magic Orchestra. Um, Tony Levin on bass, mm-hmm. who is a well-known session dude. Played on over 500 albums. Wow. That's insane. But I've got a list here. It's crap. Like Cher, Asia, Alice Cooper, John Lennon, uh, Stevie Nicks, Pink Floyd, Paul Simon, Dire Straits, Lou Reed, David Bowie, Tom Waits, Buddy Rich, Todd Rundgren, Seal. Uh, <laughs> Warren Zevon, which is a favorite of mine. Brian Ferry. Yes. He's toured with Peter Gabriel, obviously. Paul Simon, James Taylor. Big, big player. And that's only yeah. part of the list that I just read out. Like, yeah. is, he's played with everyone. Um, but I really wanted to mention uh, Daniel Lanois, who was the producer uh, and also played, uh, produced along with um, uh, Peter Gabriel, but also played guitar. Mm. Very well known uh, for working with Brian Eno on Brian the U2 Eno. records, Joshua Tree and Upton Baby. Mm-hmm. So between Brian Eno and Daniel Lanois, really sort of credited as... Um, Sort of bringing you to to the to the fore, you know what I mean? Fore, because yeah. I'm pretty sure, and I mean, look, obviously, subject of another podcast, but I'm not sure if it was Joshua. I'm pretty sure it was Joshua Tree. They were close to breaking up. They were sort of two of them were sort of the, the rhythm section that no one remembers um, was sort of going one way, and um, the bloke with the sunglasses and the delay pedal were going another. <laughs> and yeah, apparently, that, that edgy guy, yeah. yeah, the edgy guy, Daniel Lanois, sort of. They, they navigated a way that they could sort of fuse these two sounds they had and sort of um, sort of brought them together. But just, just keeping on that topic for a second, little did you know the the edge oh, here we go. from you two actually invented edging. <laughs> if you don't know what edging is, we're gonna we're gonna wait. Go look it up. Google it up. Google what? it. Yeah, Google it. <laughs> wait till Monday. We'll, we'll wait. Yeah, Google it at work. Um, uh, oh, you're back. Oh, you're back. Yeah. How was that? Yeah. yeah, no, I've never tried it either. 
<laughs> people were reading it and then they were stopping. And yeah, then they and then they read it, it again more, and, they and they stopped. Then they stopped. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They got right to the end of the sentence. <laughs> right to the end and then they, <laughs> and they stopped. <laughs> Just before they hit the, the full stop. There. Um, <laughs> but aside from that, Mr. Daniel Lanoir... <laughs> Uh, done stuff with Emmylou Harris, Willie Nelson, Brandon Flowers. He's also done a great record um, that you should check out called Black Dub, um, mm. which he did with a singer, Trixie Whiteley, who is the daughter of a blues guitar player uh, named Chris Whiteley, uh, who's sadly left us, but did some amazing sort of sly guitar work. So very, very sort of respected and uh, broad sort of uh, production credits for Mr. Daniel Lanois. There are so many musicians on this track, and I just wanted to bring up someone. you got more. But wait, there's more. Oh, wait, there's more. Yeah. Uh, P.P. Arnold, one of the backing vocalists. Her real name is Patricia Ann Cole. Uh, She was an American soul singer uh, who was quite successful in the UK. She had a solo career and released singles uh, with a choir that she was part of. But she also uh, performed on tracks by Small Faces, Nick Drake, Dr. John, Roger Waters, and more. And she was on the original recording of uh, Jesus Christ Superstar. Wow. Uh, Mark Rivera brings us into our our recurring segment. We haven't done this segment since, I think, episode one. And it's uh, Sax Appeal. Ah, so he played the sax on the track, but he's mostly known for uh, sax, but he's a multi-instrumentalist. He plays flute, does vocals, does keys, guitar, percussion, and more. He's most known for his work with the old uh, St. Billy, Billy Joel. (laughs) Oh, Lord, Lord, long may he reign. (laughs) He also played with Hall & Oates, Billy Ocean, Simon & Garfunkel, John Lang. Uh, Lennon and Ringo Starr. So pretty much everyone on our list. Yeah. Yeah, right. Basically. Uh, The only other person I had uh, info on was Wayne Jackson, who we kind of covered. Well, that would be part of Sax Appeal, surely. Sure. Well, he was a trumpeter. Still horny. Still very horny. Yeah, yeah. And he played a brass instrument. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But not only was he part of the the Stax band, uh, he he played in the Marquees. He most notably played uh, sessions and toured with the likes of the Doobie Brothers Al Green, Neil Diamond, Dusty Springfield, U2, and more. What a career. Yeah. Oh, the only other thing I wanted to say about Daniel Lanois was oh, yeah. uh, he did a song for Red Dead Redemption 2. Oh, wow. For all your video game fans out there. Yeah, so just awesome. like to keep it, you know, relevant for the kids, you know. I do love that game. Um, I want to talk about uh, the lyrical content. Mm. For a moment, if I may. Oh yes, Get, getting back to Peter Gabriel's dick, which we yeah, <laughs> yeah, which which we were intent on writing uh, at the, <laughs> the beginning of this podcast. This is a sexy song, isn't mm. it, Gary? It is. I'm just uh, I'm got half a chub on just thinking oh, about it. I know. Oh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> we know, Gary. We know. You're um, staring intently at it. Yes, yeah. Sir. No. Well, I need to get the magnifying glass. No. Um. Gabriel said regarding the theme of the song, this is a great quote. Mm. Sometimes sex can break through barriers when other forms of communication are not working too well. I had that exact same quote. (laughs) Now, I say that at work and HR get involved. Sure. Peter Gabriel says it. Musical genius. Uh, It's just double standards. It's just the double standard. Sorry, I'm still recovering from that magnifying glass burn. So. (laughs) Uh, Wow, it is a sunny day. It is. (laughs) (laughs) 
But let's, uh, have you got some lines from the song? I mean, the, you can have a steam train if you just lay down your track. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you could have a big dipper dipping. Yeah. <laughs> you have a bump car bumping. Bumping. Um, I want to be your sledgehammer. sledgehammer. Actually, there's a great live video. I think if you YouTube sledgehammer, Peter Gabriel Sledgehammer Live, mm. the first one, I think it's from like 93, 94. Mm-hmm. And he's in like this kind of weird sort of jerkin is the only way I can describe <laughs> which is suitable which is suitable and yeah. he just this is like a big stadium and he just runs down the front and he is just thrusting his crotch away uh, do you know who likes jerkins as well the edge <laughs> <laughs> calling it back calling it back um, yeah so and it's interesting though because Peter Gabriel he's not exactly what I would see as He's a sexual symbol, is he? No. Really? No. But, um, he, doesn't, he doesn't flip my switches. No. No. I mean, he's not an unattractive man. I, sure. I but not, not my type. I go for yeah. more, you know, yeah. Jeremy looking... <laughs> Pop stars. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> anyway. What were we talking about? Yeah, good point. Um, speaking of callbacks... Mm. Uh, so this was nominated, I think, for three Grammys, but for Record of the Year, was snubbed via Stevie Winwood's Higher Love, which you may remember. That's right. We covered that in episode three. Previous episode. Mm. Um, but needless to say, and I think this is a beautiful segue, it cleaned up in the video category. Oh, it sure did. I've got some uh, award information about now, the video. If- such a big part of this song's success and the reason we love this song is the video. Uh, yeah, he, he, he Gabriel believed that if it wasn't for the video, then the song wouldn't have been a success. And he's told Rolling Stone... I think it had a sense of both humor and fun, neither of which were particularly associated with me. I mean, wrongly in my way of looking at it, I think I was seen as a fairly intense, eccentric Englishman. And I, I think that's true. I think that's true, yeah, yeah. Especially from his earlier albums, which was sort of... Yeah, well, so was the first album that wasn't called Peter Gabriel. Peter Gabriel. As well. I mean, is it a Shock the Monkey? That, go and watch the video for Shock the Monkey. Yeah, we'll that's, wait. Yeah. See what I mean? Like, you can understand yeah. why he was called an eccentric Englishman. Mm. But anyway, um, let's talk about the video. Um, sure. What do you got, Gary? Give us give us, give us, us the goss. All right. You are the video king. There is a lot of information about the video uh, online. It was directed by Stephen R. Johnson, uh, who directed videos for Dire Straits, who we've covered. Ah. Uh, Talking Heads, yeah. uh, Oingo Boingo, uh, Crowded House. Yeah. And he also directed some episodes of Pee-wee's Playhouse for Pee-wee Harmon. No way! Yeah. yeah. Uh, the whole video, this surprised me, it was shot and edited in just over a week, I thought. That that surprised me. That would have taken months, but apparently they were pretty intense uh, shooting sessions. Yeah, I know. We were speaking before about... Um in an interview, Gabriel was saying in some shots he had to spend up to 16 hours lying beneath a sheet of glass Yeah, well, while, while the frames were shot, yeah. like, which is um, pretty intense. Yeah, and he had, a, he had a director for his eyes and his mouth, so the, they, they kind of charted what words he'd be saying at certain times, so he'd have to move his mouth in a certain way and move his 
eyes in a certain and direction. And then hold it. And then hold it. And then they take the shot and then they have to do it again. So he was basically Ooh. like a claymation model. Whoa. That would <laughs> be so frustrating. Yeah, totally. Uh, but I mean, geez, the results speak for themselves. I mean, it was pretty It was pretty crazy. It was all animated by uh, Ardman. Uh, what are they called? Ardman Animations? Ardman Animations. That's Nick it. Park. Nick Park, the creator of Wallace and Gromit, he yeah. was a he was a key figure. He actually uh, animated the dancing chickens from the video. And I mean, that's that's go go straight on the resume, doesn't it? Um, <laughs> uh, I, did, I did those. See those <laughs> see chickens, those chickens dancing me. chickens. I did those with yeah. the crazy synth flute yeah. over it, and the the interviewers backing out of the room. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, apparently those chickens too kind of started to go bad. Under go the rancid, lights. right? Yeah, oh. he had to use gloves to handle them so he yeah. wouldn't get, you know, salmonella. Oh, gross. It was pretty gross. Same with, uh, you know, there's a bit where the fish are swimming into his ears and oh, yeah, his yeah, yeah, and yeah. stuff like that. Apparently those fish started to stink and oh. they were right by his head. <laughs> oh, man, well... You got to suffer for your art. Don't yeah, you? yeah, I mean, he did, and so did the, those fish. I guess. <laughs> now it's claimed to be MTV's most played music video. Yeah, today. right. But when when MTV did their list of greatest uh, music videos in 1999, yeah, uh, Sledgehammer was number four. Uh-huh. So the top three was number one was Thriller in 1983. Yeah, right. Number two was Vogue by Madonna from 1990. And three was uh, Smells Like Teen Spirit. Really? Wow. Yeah. But it is kind of plausible that Sledgehammer was on the air a bit more. Because Thriller is really long, long. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, so apparently, uh, according to MTV, it's their most played video. Still top four. To this date. Top four. Top four is pretty good. Which is still a hell of a lot of plays. I mean, it's such so ahead of its time. Like they didn't have CGI back then, so everything had to be done manually. Yeah, it was yeah. like stop motion animation stuff. It's crazy. I think if they had CGI back then, it would have taken away from the video. Yeah, definitely. Think. And I, I mean, there's still something about that to this day. Like you, you go back to um, you go go back to old sort of special effects, old movies, old horror movies, and mm. something like that. It's sort of a suspension of disbelief. Like, you know, it sort of looks bad. Like, take like Evil Dead or something like sure. that. But there's something so organic about it that makes it a hell of a lot more relatable. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. As opposed to um, uh, comp- computer animation, which looks amazing, but is it's that classic. It's I relate. It's like digital versus analog. Totally. You know what I mean? It's totally. the same kind of argument, you know? Well, uh, Peter Gabriel... For his 1992 video for uh, Steam, Steam, which is pretty much a kind of bad knockoff of this song, right? It is pretty terrible. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the, the song's fine the or song's, whatever, yeah, but yeah. the video is. Uh, this is the early days of CGI. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it looks like you know it was taken from the Lawnmower Man cutting room floor. Yeah, when right. That movie it was just terrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of such a fall from... Uh, fall from grace. grace. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see. What else? Did I have anything else? Oh, yeah. Uh, Ardman Animations also did the uh, the video for Big Time off of So. Oh, did they? Yes. Oh, right. Okay. Uh, it's a very similar kind of style. I've kind of... I watched it uh, as research and I kind of found it a little... 
uh, messier than yeah, right. Sledgehammer. It wasn't, it wasn't quite as, you know, inspired as yeah, Sledgehammer. Yeah, as Sledgehammer was, yeah. Uh, and I think the only other little bit of info I had was that uh, he, Peter Gabriel's daughters and... Anna Marie and Melanie were both in the video towards the end uh, when they've got... Oh, when they've got the backing singers? Yeah, Yeah, right. Oh, cool. Stuff like that. Um, That's pretty much all I've got. Well, that's a video. Is it um, time for the the money shot? Uh, Let's ask the edge. (laughs) He he says... (laughs) (laughs) He says we'll we'll get close to it and then we'll wait for a little bit. (laughs) So we'll wait. Uh, so how's it going? Yeah, really weird with this Irish bloke batting off in yeah. my house. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the money shot. The money shot. Let's do it. Let's so, do it. So let's start with it. Seeing as uh, mine is quite broad, and you said yours is quite specific. So yeah. I love all of this song. My favorite, the money shot for me is the outro. Once those backing vocals come in, mm. um, if, if you shelter me, I'll shelter you. Like, and it just keeps ramping towards the end. Um, that sort of big finish. That that's my favorite part of the song. It always gives me chills when I hear that. Wow. So that's my money shot. Uh, for, well, for me, like yeah. I said, it's very specific. I was gonna say like the the flutey. Uh, Ooh, that is good. Over the the dancing chicken part, I really like that. Flute. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it's just after that yeah. uh, when they're coming back into the 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 final verse. So right before the backing singers come in, when uh, Peter Gabriel says, I kick the habit, that one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right before that, there are two really distinct snare hits. Oh, bah, bah. Yeah. I kick the habit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is my money shot. I, I have no idea why. There's just something about that moment in the song. But it's that just like just, such a good rhythmic yeah. hook. It just grabs you, you know. I really like that part of the song. Listeners, what's your money shot yeah, tell for this us. song? Tell us. Tell us. Stop holding out on us. Stop edging. <laughs> <laughs> or don't. Let it or don't, you know, whatever yeah. floats your boat. But let it all go. Let it all, let it all over out. us. It'll be worth all, all over our ears. Yeah. Um, it'll be worth it. It'll be just as satisfying as <laughs> actually edging. <laughs> Uh, well, that's all we got time for. I Great think, episode. Yeah, that's good, it. Good work, team. Good work. Um, yeah. I think. How do we usually get out of these things? Uh, we do the next song. That's we a good idea. We figure out what the next song is. All right. That sounds like a good idea. Do you have a zany uh, Rube Goldberg machine type uh, device for picking the song this time, Jeremy? I don't. But I thought we'd get the edge to help us with that today. <laughs> All right. So if I um, edge, edge, can you come in here for a minute? All right. Let's. Oh, the gorra. <laughs> uh, that, that was me. Let's get these down oh. here. Oh. Hey. Hey. Oh. Ah. That looks, that looks well so... worn. I'll say that. It's like a delay pedal. <laughs> <laughs> His sledgehammer right, is. Uh, and, um. Well, I, I thought it was going to be written on here, but I uh, think it's worn away with all the edging he's been doing. Yeah, it just there's a lot of like it's, uh, it's kind of smeared. It looks chafed. Yeah, it looks looks angry. It, it looks uncomfortable. All right, thanks, sure. thanks, well, thanks, thanks anyway. Thanks, I you, guess you go back to Bono and yeah, 
Yeah. Yeah, sorry. I thought he was going to have it. Yeah. I thought it would be a nice at all. That was... Yeah. yeah I'm going to have to drink that side away later. Yeah. But uh, I guess we'll just use just the phone. Do, just do the phone. All yeah, right. We'll do that then. Oh, yes. yes. The Eurythmics. Yes. There must be an angel. Oh, man. This is one of my favorite songs. And... And it's got a uh, an excellent uh, harmonica solo. Yes, it we'll, does. We'll get, we'll, we'll get to that. It, that. That'll be a spin-off of our sax appeal segment. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> well, I am very happy with that selection. As happy as The Edge was uh, <laughs> just then. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So, we'll join us next time where we'll be covering the Eurythmics. There must be an angel. Uh, there must be. There must be. There must be. There's got to be. Uh, I mean, why would people say that they exist if they don't? If they don't. Like, why would they just lie like that? Uh, uh, seems unlike people. Like, uh, I know the human race gets, you know, a bit of a bad, uh, bad rap. rap sometimes. Yeah. I'm here to defend them. Too. Yeah. And angels exist. You'll find that out next week on Careless Whispod. I've been Gary. I have been Jeremy. Uh, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. See ya. Bye.